It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Sadly, a silver linings edition of the HHC today is Charlotte got tripped up last night at home against the Washington Wizards. Washington limping into Spectrum Center with a 1-5 record, had gone 0-4 on the road, and yet they exploded for a 41-point second quarter in which they outscored Charlotte 41-17 and rode that to a 132-116 victory, dropping the Hornets to 2-5. We'll break down the game, select our silver linings. Also want to talk about a recent piece from ESPN. They submitted their 25 NBA players under the age of 25 list. One Hornet is on it, one notably is not. We'll talk about that. And most importantly on this edition of the HHC, we want to highlight a grant, the Military Care Grant, submitted by the Charlotte Hornets Foundation, uh, going to six very deserving students. We'll talk about what they're getting and why with Betsy Mack, the executive director of the Hornets Foundation. Helping me on all of these topics, he's my producer on the Hornets Radio Network, as well as the producer of this fine podcast, Rob Longo, here with us once again. Rob, always good to see you. Hornets, a tough one. Seemed going into it like there was a lot of momentum for Charlotte. They had played well over the weekend, got two days off. LaMelo Ball had found his rhythm in Dallas. Washington limping into Spectrum Center, and then lo and behold, even though the Hornets started well, the Wizards explode for a 41-17 to second quarter primarily led by their bench and they rode that all the way to a 132 to 116 victory as a fan this one was really really frustrating if you're looking at it from the outside I mean you had everything going for you you had a really strong performance Sunday against Dallas on the second night of a back-to-back you're thinking you're going to be able to ride that momentum a little bit against a Wizards team that hasn't really been able to find anything quite frankly yet I mean they did come into this game one and five all things considered. So you thought that you maybe had a little bit of a chance there in that sense. But yeah, I mean, that bench just really, really exploded for the Wizards. I mean, you had Daniel Gallinari going for 18. DeLon Wright had 18 points. Corey Kispert at 12. Andrew Shamit had 15. I mean, they outscored the bench, the Wizards did, 72-23. to And I understand that the Charlotte bench is a little bit shorthanded now. Terry Rozier is out. You got Brandon Miller in the starting five now. So it's kind of that next man up mentality, but just it seemed like whenever the lineup broke, there was just no offense to be found. I mean, I feel like it was just kind of LaMelo ball, and that was about it because, I mean, in that second quarter that you talked about specifically, the Wizards made two-thirds of their shots. The Hornets made only one-third of their shot. I mean, getting outscored 41-17 to 17 is just a recipe for disaster, and that's what happened in the second quarter for Charlotte. And, again, we talk about it all the time. You can't really win ball games in the first half, but you can certainly lose them, and I think that's what happened to Charlotte last night. Yeah, there were three massive numbers against the Hornets from last night's box score. One was points off turnover. Charlotte turned it over 22 times, leading to 35 points for the Wizards off turnovers. Hornets only scored 12 off 
off the Wizards' mistakes, so that's a 23-point gap in a 16-point game. Then there was also the overall bench scoring, 72-23 to in favor of the Wizards. You mentioned a couple of guys. I'll throw a couple more in there for you. Corey Kispert, the 12 points, solid. That's about what he normally should be doing on an average NBA night as a kind of fringe starter slash bench player. Their rookie, Bilal Koulibaly, career-high two made threes. He was a plus 23 in 29 minutes on the floor. Very impressive, even though he was in foul trouble uh, to have that kind of impact. A lot of it, though, thanks to some of the veterans from that bench. Landry Shamit, season-high 15, plus 24 in the plus-minus in his 17 minutes. Danilo Gallinari, season-high 18 points, plus 18 in 19 minutes on the floor. And then DeLon Wright, 18 points a season-high. He had a career-high eight free throws in this one. Guys that are at that stage of their career coming off the bench typically don't register career highs. DeLon Wright did. That's just how well he was playing, I guess. I mean, look, for Charlotte, this one is frustrating because you look at the benches, and yes, Washington's has more experience, but there's some experienced players on the Hornets' side to see it that lopsided between bench scoring and those kind of performances individually. Uh, that that was a tough one for the Hornets and a big part of the reason why they end up falling 132-116. to 116. The second quarter certainly seemed to turn on Danilo Gallinari and the Wizards bench going nuts, particularly from three after the game. Hornets head coach Steve Clifford talked about still believing in his team despite the preseason predictions and a big part of the reason why is something that struggled, quite frankly, for the Hornets last night when Washington went small, mostly out of necessity. They don't really have another center behind Gafford, their starter, but when they went smaller and Gallinari went in there and just started knocking down threes, it seemed to stretch Charlotte out. I think Mark Williams' foul trouble might have had something to do with it as well, but here's what Hornets head coach Steve Clifford had to say. When I look at how we were, how people viewed us in preseason, I didn't. I don't agree with it at all. You know, like I still think we have a good team, but we need those two guys to be in and be a positive part of it. And we need the guys back, obviously, tonight. I mean, you know, it's hard, uh, you know, even in the third quarter, you know, we, we got that game down to a workable, you know, a manageable, so we had a chance. And then, you know, we broke, broke the lineup and, you know, we got away from us quickly. But the big thing is we've got to figure out a way that's more consistent that we can keep our size on the floor. I would agree, Rob, and I think the center position is so key. Nick Richards has a chance to be the best backup center in the league. Uh, of course, you know, didn't, didn't quite have the advantages in his matchup last night, and, and the Hornets struggled in his minutes on the floor, minus nine in the plus-minus. First time in three games he had not reached double figures. Mark Williams, I'll go back to it, five for five from the floor, seven rebounds, 14 points. Foul trouble to me was more of the issue, but I would always defer to the coaching staff and Steve Clifford. He's forgotten more about basketball than I'll ever know. Um, But Mark Williams, the foul trouble combined with the elite three-point shooting from the other Wizards bigs seemed to have a big role to play in why things transpired the way they did for the Hornets. And it goes back to those turnovers and those bench points, I think, too. And and those two things kind of coincide with one another. I mean, like you talked about, the bench points mostly became from the three-point shooting, mostly because of Gallinari. And, you know, Steve Clifford talked about that a lot there after the game as well. So there was a real big opportunity there, I thought, especially in the third quarter where the Hornets were going on a massive run. I mean, they went on a 21-7 run. They were playing defense. The energy was picking up. And then the bottom just kind of fell out. Mark Williams got his fourth foul around the four-minute mark, and then from there, the Wizards were able to rip off an 8-0 run. Hornets had to call a timeout real quick, and then that run just got extended to 17-7 in the final minutes of the third quarter. 
I mean, that was a quarter that the Hornets looked like they were going to win, and instead they go tied. Each team scored 38 points there in that third quarter, and they end up going down 19 going into the fourth quarter. I mean, if you're able to limit that to like a, I don't know, a 12 to 5 run or something like that, I mean, you got a shot going into the fourth quarter. And I mean, that's not to say they didn't play their hearts out in the fourth frame, because they certainly did. They didn't give up, but it makes things a lot more manageable at that point. So that fourth foul just really killed any momentum the Hornets had there. That really did seem to be where things turned. All right, Hornets fall 132 to 116. Charlotte's record drops to 2 and 5. They're now tied with the Wizards in the Eastern Conference, and they will rematch on Friday. So something to look forward to tomorrow in terms of Hornets action. But we need silver linings from last night's game. Rob Long you tip us off. I think the easy one's LaMelo Ball. LaMelo around the Mark Williams screen. Into the lane. Underneath the basket. Continues to keep the dribble. Fall away 10-footer. Rainbows finds the pot of gold. LaMelo having a special night. He's up to 21. <laughs> that shot like ring around the rosy. I mean, there was just points where LaMelo, I felt like, was toying with the offense there. And it's been like that the last two games. You go back to that fourth quarter that he had against the Mavericks, and I think that was probably maybe one of the best quarters that he's had of his career. It's just the way he was able to take over the game, and I know that Steve Clifford talked about it, how they're trying to not really overwork LaMelo considering that he's still kind of working his way back from that ankle injury, the fact that he just got cleared not that long ago for full contact and to go full tilt. But, I mean, there was that point on Sunday where they couldn't take him out. I mean, if they would have taken him out, that was basically waving the white flag in that Mavericks game and kind of the same sense it felt like a little bit here in the game last night as well. I mean, in that first quarter, LaMelo counted for 62% of Charlotte's offense, and they were up five points going into the second quarter. They led it 29-24. to 24. Uh, He had 12 points in a quarter, and he had three assists, and it created six points off of those turnovers. So, I mean, 18 of those 29 points were basically manufactured by LaMelo. So... Easily my silver lining performance from last night. He finishes with a season-high 34, game-high 34 points, four rebounds, seven assists, and he shot the ball pretty well, too. I mean, he was 13-22 to from the field, three for nine beyond the arc, and five of seven at the free throw line. So I know that there was a lot to be made about Lamella's shooting, and he's still trying to round that corner and get back into the swing of things. But if you've seen anything from Lamella the last two nights, that is simply not the case because he is certainly back in a big way. If you don't think he's back, then I don't know what game you're watching or what you expect from him. Yeah, Lamella looked great out there. Like you said, season high. 34 points, uh, evenly distributed, 17 in the first half, 17 in the second half. So he just had it on the entire game. I thought a great, great effort from him. My silver lining selection, I'm going to go with the center, Mark Williams. LaMelo underneath, Mark Williams, power dribble up for the reverse, slam, and it circles around, draws the foul on Gafford. Mark Williams has had a, a really strong season. Now, it could be stronger. There are things that Steve Clifford and this coaching staff value that Mark Williams is either working his way back into top peak form for remember he did have the injury and the surgery that you know required a lot of rehab time over the offseason and coaches said quite a few times that he's still working his way back from that and he's got such great talent that you know there's going to be high expectations from him but going into last night's game he had put together this is from basketball reference the best ever field goal percentage through the first six games of a season with a minimum of 40 field goal attempts. He had gone, I think it was 34 for 42. That's 81%. The previous best had been Rudy Gobert in the 2018-19 season. He had shot 75%. So Mark Williams way ahead of that. And oh, by the way, last night he goes five for five. So he's now up to like 83% on the season. He's really, he's finishing at a high rate. It's not all dunks. A lot of little lay-ins, crafty moves, floaters. He's, he's done a really good job there and overall on the glass and and when I look at the players who played 
a good number of minutes, at least 14 or 10 minutes on the floor. The only one who's a positive in the plus-minus is Mark Williams. When they made that run in the third quarter, it was with Mark Williams. When they won the first quarter, it was with Mark Williams. So he had a, a big impact on that one last night, and I think as Coach Steve Clifford accurately said, it's how do you keep him on the floor as well as Nick Richards and make the most of those advantages. You got to punish the other team for going small. If they just get to run around and knock down threes, it doesn't matter. But if you can execute and force them to come back at you with another center and give you the advantages, uh, that can make all the difference. A couple other tips of the cap I'd like to throw in there. Teo Maladon off the bench, season high, nine points, one for two from three. I thought he had a decent offensive game. Uh, certainly we've seen uh, some pretty big moments from him, and I think we will in the future, but a season high so far. And Nick Smith Jr. makes his not just his first NBA shot, his first two NBA shots, his first three-point attempt goes down. I thought he had a real spark there. That last four minutes, it's, you know, it, it's quote-unquote garbage time, but it's an opportunity. Terry Rozier was saying earlier in the day yesterday that the NBA is all about opportunities. Nick Smith Jr. got one. He played hard for four minutes, scored five points, pulled down a rebound, got a steal. I really liked what we saw from the rookie in his first extended stay out there on the hardwood. Yeah, I mean, I've been a Nick Smith's junior stan, I guess, for the last uh, couple of months now, ever since he was drafted by the Hornets and he came in in summer league. I thought he had a really good summer league. I thought he played really well in the preseason as well. I mean, there were times there where he saw some flashes even in the preseason. So and maybe this is an opportunity. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me one way or the other. Maybe this is a way that the – Rotation gets a little bit of a shakeup, and we know that Terry's going to be out for a couple of games while he nurses that groin strain, so maybe it's an opportunity for a guy like Nick Smith Jr. to say, hey, I did this in four minutes. I know it was in garbage time. I still played hard. You see what I do in practice every day? Give me a shot with some meaningful minutes out there, and maybe we'll see something different on Friday in uh, Washington. He definitely made a positive argument for himself. That is for sure. All right, Hornets take the loss 132-116. to We've got more hoops to talk about. We'll talk about that 25-under-25 piece that ESPN put out uh, in the last couple of days. But right now, uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Betsy Mack, the executive director for the Charlotte Hornets Foundation, is going to join me to talk about the award that the foundation just recently made for its military care grant to children of fallen patriots. There was the ceremony at the arena last night as part of the game presentation, and we'll talk a little bit more about what that grant means, how much it is, and what it's going towards after this quick break here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, you don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? The whole time. <laughs> 
And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to the Hornets Hivecast. have a very special initiative from the Hornets Foundation that we wanted to talk about today. If you were at the game yesterday, you might have seen that there was a special encore presentation for some young people getting a very special college scholarship from the Charlotte Hornets Foundation as a part of the annual Military Care Grant. And to help talk about it, we have the executive director of the Hornets Foundation here with us, Betsy Mack. Back here once again on the HHC. Betsy, thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me and thanks for highlighting the grant today as well. We are thrilled to do it. The military care grant has gotten bigger now for this upcoming season. We want to touch on that, but really we want to focus on what you did with it yesterday. Children of Fallen Patriots is a nonprofit committed to offering college scholarships and educational guidance to military children who sadly lost a parent who was serving their country. And the Hornets Foundation highlighted several a handful of those students and uh, basically made it public to the community who was getting these grants. So uh, that's the highlight, the 10,000-foot view of it. Give us some more detail about what the foundation does as a whole and what the goal is with this specific program. Yeah, so as a whole, we really focus on education, hunger, military wellness. We have grants in each of those pillars. Now, previously, we've given $25,000 in these grants every year. With our new ownership, our new chairman that have come on, they decided to really invest and really encourage us to dig even deeper with our grants. And so this year, we are very excited to announce that all of our grants will be $100,000 for each pillar. So we're very excited to see that and the impact that it will have on our community, on the different youth that we'll be featuring and highlighting. And so it's just wonderful to see the Charlotte Hornets Foundation continue to grow. Here, what we did with the Military Care Grant, Children's of Fallen Patriots is a great organization. You highlighted them a little bit and what they do. But really what we did is we were able to have six students that we were able to give scholarships for to pay for their college. All six of these students will be going to school in North Carolina, which is great. It's a national organization, but they have different involvement in different cities and different states. And so we're really excited to find these individuals here in the North Carolina area to uplift and really give back to these children whose parents lost their lives by giving back to our country the ultimate sacrifice. And the stories behind each and every one of these kids, extra special. Obviously, their families are going to receive this grant to be able to go to college and, and help give that added support. But is there any particular story that stood out as you've gotten to know some of the applicants and some of the recipients here of the Hornets Foundation generosity? I think all six of these students are really inspiring, hearing their stories and just seeing across the board the diversity and the roles that they're taking and the different studies that they're all going to be participating in. It's just inspiring to see the adversity that they've all gone through individually, but how they all have overcome these challenges and that they're really putting their education first. And we're excited to put our support behind them. Part of the reason that there is an additional grant this year, as you mentioned, is the uh, let's call it renewed enthusiasm from the new chairman here for Hornet Sports and Entertainment. But it also involves a lot of hard work from your team and a lot of generosity from our community. It's a it's a two way relationship. It's not just new ownership coming in and making an investment, but also our community partners making one as well. Who are some of the people that you'd like to highlight either on your team or within our community uh, resources that have helped in addition to the new chairman 
stretch the budget a little bit to help impact more people? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I appreciate you asking. So Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall, our two chairmen, really push our ownership group to all invest in the Charlotte Hornets Foundation. And that's why we've been able to expand our contribution so largely. And we're so excited for that. Looking at this grant overall and Children of Fallen Patriots, Andy DeSellis, our Charlotte Hornets Foundation manager, found this organization, actually presented it to me and to James. James Jordan, our president of the foundation, and really advocated for this organization along a couple others that she also presented to us, but this one stood out. The ironic thing is Chairman Gabe Plotkin is actually on the board for Children of Fallen Patriots. So the irony, the alignment is just meant to be with this individual grant. We're really excited to see that come to fruition. Andy did a wonderful job in really leading this, our first grant of 2023-24, and our first grant that's 100000 so overall, we couldn't be any more thrilled on how it all came together. The students just had a fabulous time at the game, and it's just an incredible evening and um, wonderful for the Charlotte Hornets Foundation to show our support. Two more notes here to close this out for you, Betsy. One, I think this goes to show just how high of a bar was set by the previous regime in charge of Hornet Sports and Entertainment, Michael Jordan and his team really had such an investment in our community from hospitals to grants for organizations like this uh, everywhere across the spectrum how much they invested in our community and in community service it, it really is inspiring and great to see the new group come in and try and continue that legacy and push the ball forward but also I think important for the average fan to realize that you know when we think of ownership coming in and making an investment, everyone's attention immediately goes to the team. There are some limitations about what can be done. There's a salary cap. There are certain limits to what you can spend on certain things, but there's almost no limit to what you can spend giving back to the community. So it is just wonderful to see that with this change at the top, there is no change in terms of the dedication to community service through the Charlotte Hornets Foundation. And if anything, they're trying to find ways to exceed what has been done in the past and reach new levels for our community, take it to even higher heights. Yeah, so it's really great to see the groundwork that was laid from the previous ownership, a lot of the longstanding relationships that we continue to have, a lot of the events and activations and partnerships that, again, we continue to have and and continue to elevate and move forward with this new ownership. It's really great to see the new legacy that our new chairman and their group are coming in and setting for the organization as well. And as you said, seeing how involved and how excited they are about the foundation and giving back is inspiring and something that really encourages us to look at how we're impacting change. And as you can see from this grant, we we definitely try to push the needle forward in a, in a unique way. And I think that our team and definitely led by Andy, we did a great job of doing it. I know I said one last thing, but I promise this is the last thing. <laughs> for any fans tuned in that either want to get involved with Children of Fallen Patriots, help support the Charlotte Hornets Foundation, or find some of the other initiatives that you and your team are undertaking, where can they go? Yeah, so very easy. So go to the Hornets webpage and go to the community tab. We also have a foundation tab. Um, or if you're on Twitter or Instagram, we're at Hornets Give. And so it's really easy to find us there. We post a lot about what we're doing, our activations, our partners, different organizations to support. And we would love to have you join along with us. I can't advise anyone any more strongly than to seek these people out. Anytime anyone from your team comes to me before they finish the sentence, I say yes. Anytime I <laughs> see do. an email, it's yep. auto response. 
Nussbaum. Yes, uh, you do just such a great job making it fun for everyone involved and clearly doing great work. Betsy Mack, the executive director of the Hornets Foundation. Thanks so much for all that you're doing. And thanks for joining us today here on the Hornets Ivecast. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. We'll be back right after this quick break here on the Hornets Ivecast. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Sam Farber, Rob Longo, back with you here on the HHC. And another thank you to Betsy Mack, Executive Director of the Charlotte Hornets Foundation, for joining us and talking about the recent award made just last night, the Military Care Grant, an annual grant this time made to children of fallen patriots. Thanks to Rick Schnall and Gabe Plotkin, chairman of the Charlotte Hornets and Hornets Sports and Entertainment, for their additional involvement and investment in it. Uh, Great to see such a large amount of money going to very deserving students from right here in North Carolina. Carolina. Much, much more good work going on from the Hornets Foundation and uh, CSR as a whole. Definitely encourage you to go to Hornets Give on social media and find out more about what it, they are up to and how you can get involved. Back to basketball right now. Rob Longo, uh, in recent days, ESPN published a 25 under 25 list. This is 25 players under the age of 25 and a little bit based off of the present, but mostly based off projecting what their future would be. I'd say it's about 70-30 geared towards what they will become, but a little bit based off what they are right now. One Hornet was listed on the list. LaMelo Ball was in at number nine. Brandon Miller not ranked. I think both of them were undervalued. I have a lot to say, but I'll let you lead off. Well, I was okay with the list until I started scrolling backwards because LaMelo Ball was at nine. Some of the names, can we go ahead and say some of the names in front of them? Or are you going to use sure. some anticipation? No, look, let's start you, with LaMelo. I thought nine in a general thought process initially when I saw it, I think that's fair. Yes. He missed a ton of time the season before. The team has won moderately with him as an all-star level player. His second season, he played the majority of games, the vast majority of games, was an all-star, and Charlotte had a 43-win season, which on any other year in the history of the Eastern Conference gets you into the playoffs. Just so happened that particular year, it was good for 10th. So bad luck for the Hornets. Shouldn't be penalized against LaMelo. But just a couple of the names that were ahead of him on the list, who I think were obvious that he should have been ahead of. One is Darius Garland, who's a very good player. He's an all-star caliber player. He is not the star of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think LaMelo's numbers have been better overall, and I think he has the the higher ceiling of the two, being the younger player by about a year and a half. And then Cade Cunningham, who everything that you can hold against LaMelo Ball hurt. Team hasn't made the playoffs with him as the leader of it just yet. You can say as well about Cade Cunningham. Hurt a lot. Haven't made the playoffs. So I don't see why Cade Cunningham gets a pass. I realize he's the higher scorer. He's not as much of the playmaker that LaMelo Ball is. He's not as good of a rebounder as LaMelo Ball is. And they are essentially the same age. So I don't know that you have any more room to grow in terms of time with Cade Cunningham that doesn't exist with LaMelo Ball, uh, seeing as LaMelo is all of a month older. Too long, didn't read. I was fine with LaMelo at nine. I looked at the list. I have him at seven because I have him ahead of Cade 
and Darius Garland. Maybe an argument for six with Zion just based off of the injury history, but again, I'm not saying that neither here nor there. Uh, again, some of the other guys, too, on that list, John Moran, Tyrese Halberton, Wembenyama, Anthony Edwards, Luka Dodgers. All totally fine with that. All totally makes sense. And some of this, again, he was hurt all, almost all of last year. LaMelo's got to do stuff on the floor to make it more than just our opinion, just make it a clear reality to everyone else watching. I think that's going to happen over the course of the season. But the two that stood out the most to me, and clearly to you as well, Cade Cunningham and Darius Garland, I think LaMelo easily could have been ahead of them. Now... There was one other Hornet that was mentioned in the piece. It was the receiving votes, the bottom of the college football rankings. They're not in the top 25. They're receiving votes. Brandon Miller made that list, but he didn't make the top 25. At first, I thought, all right, he's a rookie. Maybe there's not any rookies on this list outside of Victor Wembanyama, who everyone's oh, fascinated boy, here with. here we go. So may, maybe they're just, you know, they're not putting rookies on it. They're going to give some credit to everyone else. No, that was not the case. You look down the list, and Scoot Henderson is sitting there at 23. To me, he was one of the obvious ones that Brandon Miller should have been ahead of for a couple of reasons. One, they were neck and neck in the draft process. To me, there's no reason Scoot Henderson should have gotten the bump and Brandon Miller doesn't. That's one. Number two, some of this is based off what they've done in their first couple of weeks as NBA players, and there is no question Brandon Miller has looked like the much better player than Scoot Henderson. It's way too early to make any final decisions, but if you're going to include those stats in there and write about it in the article as they did, you have to take that into some account, and Brandon Miller has looked much better than Scoot Henderson. So so for me, I'll go the same way and we'll let you go as well. I thought there were three obvious players and one that was pretty clear to me, at least, that Brandon Miller should have been ahead of. One is Keegan Murray, who made the list at number 24. I think that so far Brandon Miller has looked better. He is clearly the younger player. I just like Brandon Miller better over Keegan Murray on this list. Scoot Henderson, to me, seemed obvious. He should have been ahead of him. I also would have put him ahead of Walker Kessler, the center for the Utah Jazz. And I would also kind of lean towards putting him ahead of Jalen Duran as well just given the position and the impact on the game that Brandon Miller is capable of compared to Duran, We're not in an era of that style of center really dominating play. Not to say Duran can't. He's been exceptional so far in his second season, but I'm of the opinion Brandon Miller should have been ahead of at least those four guys putting him at 21. It's a good thing we're a family-friendly podcast because there have been a lot of expletives flying because, I mean, like, quite frankly – what the hell has Scoot Henderson done yet? I mean, like, let's be honest. I mean, I know that a lot of this is potential. Literally, from the article, it says, ranking is based on the future and not the present. Then why do you even put the present numbers in there? I mean, it just makes no sense to me. So, yeah, I mean, Brandon is light years ahead of Scoot in the moment right now. I mean, it is no competition. There is no debate for that. I mean, Brandon is the better player right now through six games of the season. Small sample size. I get it. Brandon Miller is a much better player than Scoot Henderson. End of discussion. Now, the other thing, too, is when you look at some of these other names on there, there's a case for Mark Williams. Look what Mark Williams has been able to do over the last couple of games. We just referenced the 80% field goal shooting and better now that he's had he was perfect from the field last night at 5 for 5 shooting. I mean, there's an argument there that he could potentially be on that receiving votes at the bottom of the footnotes or something like that. And again, this is just all hypotheticals and it's going to all worked up for no reason. But if you look at it and you say Walker Kessler or Mark Williams, they have pretty comparable numbers, but I would rather take Mark Williams at this point. I might have teal colored glasses, but I mean, it's just, it's interesting on how this article was written. 
I also don't understand it because, again, I know this is a Hornets podcast. I'm going to get off course for a minute. Josh Giddy at 18? I mean, I felt like that was a little bit of a slight. I thought he maybe should have been a little bit higher than some guys like Jalen Williams, who's also on his team, Franz Wagner, who, yeah, whatever. I mean, there's just some names on there that I was scratching my head a little bit just in terms of the ranking. But, sure. I mean, there's there's an opportunity for Mark Williams to be out there as well. Yeah, I honestly hadn't thought of Mark Williams on it. But How you're right. You? I know. I, I feel bad about it now. I, I'm with you. I think Mark Williams at least deserving of honorable mention. Look, at the end of the day, uh, this is all fodder for us to get mad about. That's part of what podcast segments are for. Uh, and I encourage you to go to ESPN.com and, and read this one and let us know what you think about their 25 under 25 list. I Certainly believe Mark Williams is deserving of a, a, of a received votes mention. I think Brandon Miller should have been on the list, given who was put ahead of him. And I think Lamelo should have been higher. But at the end of the day, it's about what those players collectively do on the floor. They represent the future for the Charlotte Hornets, has been said on this very podcast by several members of the organization, front office, coaching staff, ownership. So it's all there in front of them. The opportunity is now to show what you can do as young players if you're capable of leading a team now at the ages they are so far under 25, they're going to soar up this list. But right now, the opportunity is there. They have to take advantage of it. And it will start again tomorrow when the Hornets visit the Washington Wizards. An exciting one. It'll be the first game in the in-season tournament. Charlotte should have some even more added motivation with the in-season tournament coming off back-to-back losses, and one of them being to the same Wizards team they're about to play. I think Charlotte's going to come out angry and come out with a much stronger overall performance. We will find out. Tomorrow we'll have a game preview for you, and uh, Kyle Bailey will be joining us for that one from WFNC, so we look forward to talking to him and talking to all of you for that one as well. Rob Longo, thanks for raging with me on the 25 under 25 list. You got me, Matt. I'm taking the day off tomorrow. All right, you get the day off tomorrow. Again, Hornets back in action. Our first ever in-season tournament game for the Charlotte Hornets. Look forward to bringing that one to you from our nation's capital when the Hornets match up with the Washington Wizards once again. Till next time, for Rob Longo, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.